Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 89 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is Ask Us Anything Take Two. Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the highly questionable T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? Are you saying highly questionable because my outfit doesn't match at all? No, just that you can answer lots of questions. You are the Ask Me Anything Queen. Oh, oh, I thought you were taking a dig at the, um, my hair being all over the place in my red shirt and I don't know what other colors I'm wearing. I didn't try very hard today. Well, I... I hair. No, I, th- I think you're looking all right. I think your hair looks fine. Your red and blue dif- different shirts, they complement each other. It's all good with me. I'm a style guru, as we know. I know, you put like an orange suit in um One Golden Summer and I was like, who the fuck wears orange? <laughs> orange and pink, that was it. Orange and pink. And oh. I was like, this has got to be a table. This is like a atrocity for me dear listener you wouldn't believe the amount of back and forth we had over this orange and pink combo that i think kirsty wore to on her date with saffron good grief tb could not believe that people wore orange and pink together i had to send her pictures it's a very highly fashionable color combo I just, <laughs> and then that day i walked out of the house and this guy walked across the street and he had pink trousers and orange shirt i wanted to take a picture of him send it to you on this side because i live in the new england part of the u.s like that is the colors for Dunkin' Donuts. So, like, I don't know if any many people around here would wear the colors of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So it's another another UK US divide. There in the UK it's high fashion. In the US it's Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> right. Let's get on to your week. How's it been? I'm just gonna stick with like work stuff. <laughs> okay. We're recording this on November the fourth when the US election is still up in the air. By the time this goes out, it will be well maybe decided. Who knows? Claire. Let's stick to work, shall we? <laughs> yeah, otherwise I might cry. All right, so I have some big news besides the election. I have some big news on the work front. Dagny mm-hmm. is finally with the editor. Woo! Holy fucking shit, that book gave me so much trouble. Then, within like an hour of sending it to the editor, um, our regular listeners will not be surprised when I heard from my editor asking me to check the math on character ages and relationships because they were not adding up shocking news i fucked up math that is shocking news uh this week also i um now one golden summer uh, i have to do the money split don't i every month and this this week i also sent tv the money spreadsheet and said do these numbers look all right to you and she wrote back like why are you asking me they look fine they look like numbers <laughs> yep that was my answer i opened up the spreadsheet and i was like i see numbers good job clear <laughs> so um did you have to have a look at your uh, dagny number snafu again fortunately kelly has been with me long enough to know that um when it comes to numbers that she literally and that, like, you know, when they leave comments in the margins, she'll do, like, the addition for me. And, like, she'll walk me through each step to show me where I've gone wrong. So she usually corrects it. So I try to be vague as much as possible, but I messed up one thing and we just went for more vagueness because um, I can't handle numbers. Hmm. And then, but in other number news, I have more number. Okay, go on, go on. But in other number news, um, shortly after I received an email from Kelly, 
I got an email from my narrator for the setup, which is the story about the American Brit who just moved to American Brit. <laughs> the American who just moved to Britain. Is she called? Um, is she called Brit? They should have made a. You should have called her Brit. That would have been really funny and confusing. Not, <laughs> not a little too late there, Claire. You just go in but, and change it, yeah. Yeah, no one will notice. I numbered the chapters wrong. It was corrected in the formatting stage, but she received it before and I forgot to let her know. So it went from chapter 18 to chapter 20. And she's like, I'm pretty sure it still flows. I was like, oh, yes, there was. I just numbered it wrong. Does chapter 19 count? No, is that really. like Is that like a floor 13 of a hotel? Like, doesn't really exist. Exactly. It's, it's like the Harry Potter nine and a half. There we go. Yeah. So I haven't had a good week in numbers. I'm also trying my best to stay calm this week. This is probably not the best week to try and take some time off because I have too much free time to check things. I don't know if you heard, but COVID is pretty much raging out of control on this side of the pond. Um, yeah. I, I might have been aware of it. It's not doing well here either. Belgium is also not doing well, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Europe. In- Europe as a yeah. whole. <laughs> yeah, I checked in with Harper Listener Mrs. yesterday just to make sure everything is still, you know, they're still there. That's I'm a good. little worried about everyone. That's good. I'm pleased that yeah. they're still there. You're still here. I'm still here. The Village Romance series could get resurrected. Who knows? But speaking of COVID, so they've changed some rules in Massachusetts because Massachusetts numbers are going in the wrong direction. So uh, we're not supposed to go to other people's houses. Uh, we have to wear a mask at all times when we're out in public, even if we're more than six feet apart from people. I now... See, when I was growing up, I was the responsible child out of the family. Like, when I was in high school, I'd never had a curfew because I was the one who probably didn't leave the house. So I have a curfew now (laughs) in Massachusetts. I am 40-something years old, and I finally have a curfew. (laughs) I've never had a curfew. What what time is your curfew? I think it's 10 p.m. till 5 a.m., and they don't know me very well. They think I'm still out and about (laughs) after 10 p.m. and getting up at 5 (laughs) a.m. Yeah, we've been under a curfew for quite a while now. It's been 10 o'clock for quite a while. No, not here. But, um, yeah. So that's like a whole new experience for me. So I am trying to um, just watch movies and avoid the news, which is very hard. I actually disabled my notifications on my phone last night because they were blowing up. So now that the world is on fire on this end and I can't do math still. So at least one thing is stay constant. That's good. You need constants in this world. <laughs> so what, how's it going there? Well, ignoring the whole, uh, yes, uh, COVID-19, Brexit, shambles, test and trace nonsense uh, that is going on in the UK, let's look at what I'm doing work-wise. So um, Christmas book, Christmas in Mistletoe, came back from the editor, so that's good. Something funny happened. So there's a scene where the two characters talk about slang terms used to describe vaginas. Oh, I've had that in, I think, a... In the Woman Lost series, I think it was a clueless woman where I came up with a lot of them. Right, okay. So one of the characters describes her uh, vagina as a foof. How do you spell that? F-O-O-F. And I do actually know people who who have used that word. So I went with that, right? But when I I spelt checked it, it said, do you mean this or do you mean food? And I accidentally clicked the wrong button. So (laughs) it changed it to food three times. And then my editor was really confused. (laughs) And she thought it was like, and my, Austra- uh, my editor is in Australia, and she thought it was like, but she's like, I don't think, I mean, I, I, maybe this is a UK thing, but it's really odd. I've never heard a vagina described as food. <laughs> Poor well, her. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. She said, unless you're making a really weird joke about oral sex, I don't understand. And I, then I was like, oh, poor you. She was, she was so baffled. Uh, no, it was just me pressing the wrong button in the spell check. 
there's that little bit of hilarity to your day um, but uh, the gel 4 came back um, there are things to fix obviously but um, so I'm doing that this week so I'm in the middle of it I'm about two-thirds of the way through but I do I am gonna have to rewrite a particular chapter to change some things so a bit of work to do but um, hopefully I'll get it done this week so that's good are, are you gonna make it in the Saint Nick of time I hope I'm gonna make it in the Saint Nick of time I liked that little joke in your uh, in your blurb well done Looking very pleased with yourself. Yeah, yeah. I can't do math, but I can do apparently Christmas jokes. <laughs> I'm here all week, folks. But uh, my editor did say that this book had got her, hit her in the Christmas feels and made her feel all Christmassy and schmaltzy. And she hates Christmas. So that's good, isn't it? That's a good thing. She hates Christmas? Yeah, she's the Christmas Grinch. That's sad. Well, maybe maybe this wool book will snap her out of that. Yeah, she's never even... We need, we need some Christmas spirit this year. We need fucking something this year. <laughs> Don't you worry. My book's coming over the Christmas hill. Um, yeah, she's never even seen Elf, my uh, my editor. <gasps> I know. Wow. wow. That's like the best book. I watch it year-round. Mm. Talking of Christmas movies, though, that's the other thing I've been doing this week. So um, I think last week I'd, I'd watched a couple in my lunch hour. But this, uh, on Saturday, last Saturday... My wife and I, we had a pyjama day on the sofa. Not that I've got pyjamas, so, but, you know, a day lying around on the sofa. And um, we watched three Christmas movies. Not one, not two, but three. And they're all brand new. They were all, all filmed in 2019. And I have to say, Christmas movies on, on the Christmas 24 channel, which I think that they just steal from Hallmark, they've got a bit more nuance. They've got gay characters. There was, no. a gay, there was a gay couple with a with a young daughter in this one, and nobody died, and it wasn't tragic. Uh, wow! They've got like humour, they've got sarcasm, they've got nuance. Uh, we both thoroughly enjoyed the three Christmas movies we watched. I do have to admit that when you said you guys had a pajama day, I heard a vagina day, and I thought that was way too much information. <laughs> There's been a lot of vagina talk on this podcast so far today, hasn't there? So you were like kind of curious as to why my jaw hit the ground briefly. It's because I thought you said you and your wife had a vagina day. That wasn't last Saturday, that's this Saturday coming, TV. <laughs> oh, it's on the schedule. Yeah, it's on the schedule, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, so Christmas movie watching. Uh, generally, the Christmas 24 channel is hitting the mark. Do you know what's not hitting the mark, though, TV, though? What? Costa Coffee's new Christmas coffee flavours, right? I'm outraged. Outraged. Are you ready? Is it peppermint? After 8 mint flavour. <gasps> I love after 8. Mm -hmm. I coffee, but I would eat an after 8. <laughs> uh, Terry's chocolate orange flavour. And love chocolate orange and quality street purple flavor, which is hazelnut, hazelnut chocolate. Tell well, me, I'm not sure. I haven't tried mint recently since because the mint chocolate chip mm. ice cream sounds really gross to me since my illness. But um, mm. those flavors on their own, with minus the coffee part, because I can't stand coffee with perfect for me. But you don't like any of those? No. Well, no. My point is that this is their new Christmas coffee selection. Now I like Costa Coffee. Uh, I like their stores. I like their coffee. Right. I've written a lot of my books in Costa Coffee. They hold a special play in my place in my coffee heart. However, okay. if I want a Christmas coffee, I want it to taste of Christmas things. I want cinnamon and nutmeg and, you know, those mince sort pie. of... Yeah, mince pie. Yes, where's my mince pie coffee? <laughs> exactly, TV. I, want, I don't want after eight. I don't want Terry's chocolate orange. I don't want quality street purple flavour. That's not Christmassy. They are distinct chocolate. Co coffee flavors but then don't say christmas so if anyone's listening from costa could we buck our christmas ideas up so you're saying it's not enough christmas no is there christmas coffee range where's the christmas flavors 
do agree. And what's Quality Street? Is that like a brand of chocolates? Yeah, it's like a one of those. Uh, so it's like a Cadbury, but not Cadbury. It's Quality Street. That's the. I don't know who makes it. I think it might be Roundtree. Yeah, it's one of those tubs of sweets where you get like it's a selection box of sweets. So you get like uh, ten or twelve different ones in a tub. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I think I purchased them, but I just didn't ever call them. It was just like the big plastic bin I would yes. buy at um, Tesco. The one of those. There's <laughs> there's only three. It's either Celebrations, Heroes, or Quality Street. I think I would buy the Celebrations. Mm. Celebrations, sure celebrations, good choice. I think they might be my first choice. Honestly, if you gave me any of those tubs of sweets, I'd be pretty happy. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, that's uh, that's my week update. Very Christmassy, wasn't it? That was a lot of fucking Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of Christmas. We, we, like we just we just passed Halloween here, which was a very muted affair, and now we're gearing up for uh, Thanksgiving, which you know it's a Thursday for you. I do think more people are wanting Christmas earlier this year because we really just want something fucking good to think about. I do. I think that as well. And you know, I. I normally love to start watching Christmas movies this time of year, and I normally get a lot of uh, pushback on it. Nobody's pushback. Everybody's embracing Christmas. <laughs> Everybody wants actually, a little bit of cheer. I actually recently purchased a Christmas sweater, mm. and I was wearing it before Halloween. Ho, 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 TB. <laughs> my t-shirt underneath here is my Mickey Mouse Christmas one, because um, I need fucking happy in my life. There you go. Christmas spirit all round. So, uh, let's get on to comments. Comment monitor, I've got two. What have you got? I've got three, so stuff it. I don't know why. I'm feeling a little combative and disappointed today, so it might show through. So the first one up is from Richard, and Richard is pleased to hear that we're going to have a running feature about Tottenham Spurs. And speaking of, how did the Spurs do this past weekend? This past weekend, TB, we... I think we won. Did we win? Wow, you are like yeah. the worst Spurs team ever. <laughs> uh, no, no, we did win uh, because yes, we beat Brighton two one. But then in the week we lost one 0 in Europe to Antwerp, so we had a mixed week. I I have to admit I get very confused because I really only follow the scores in the Premier League, but like then I get alerts on my phone from the Guardian about Liverpool, and I'm like, I didn't think they were playing today, and I'm like, who the fuck are they playing? And it really confuses me. <laughs> They won 5 0 last night, so doing all right. Yeah, it looked like they were having a good night. That was the only good piece of news I had last night. But Richard also comments oh, wait, so are the Spurs playing this weekend or is it like internationals or what? We're playing tomorrow. We're playing somebody called Ludogratz tomorrow, so away in the Europa League. And then we're playing West Brom on Sunday. And if we don't beat them, I'm going to stick my head in an oven. So, okay? Seems a bit drastic. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even reached that stage about the election. <laughs> So, I never said you take football a lot more seriously than I take. Politics. I never said I wasn't dramatic. Now, Richard also commented about the English premier side, the the Worcester Warriors women. What's what's that? Uh, I think it's a female rugby team. Richard is a big fan of uh, women's rugby. Oh, rugby! That's yes. why. I, that's why it was like because Richard also suggested one of us write a rugby romance, and that is not going to be me because I know nothing about rugby. Yes, and it's probably not going to be me, the Richard. I hate to tell you, I did play it at university, and it's not my favourite game at all. And I used to get beaten up in it, so and, and I'm a bit of a wuss. You used to play rugby? I did used to play rugby. I, play I rug literally cannot make that <laughs> at all. I played rugby for two years at university. It just looks kind of hurty. Yeah, it, it was a little bit hurty. The first game, they put me in as a prop. Now, props are meant to be quite sort of... They're meant to hold the whole scrum up. 
and they're quite meant to be very sturdy people. And I am. Oh, wait, are you the ones where you have like your yes, arms interlocked? Yes. Okay. And I was front row, and the first game they put me in as prop, and I don't know why because I'm not. I'm five foot two. You know, I'm not that big. The first scrum I went in for, um, I got punched in the face. You're five foot two. Yeah. That's the part I go in. Not get punched in the face. <laughs> I'm five foot two and a half on a good day. Yeah. Not when you have heels. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. I'm sorry, Richard. Um, yeah. If you really want the rugby romance, I would suggest working on Claire because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> so, anywho, so I just threw you under the bus. Okay. Let's move on to our next comment. We yeah. have a comment from Belle, and I think Belle was responding to when you mentioned when people when people return audiobooks, we get charged as the authors. And she says, uh, Belle says that um, Belle is enrolled in KU. and wants to know: Does returning a book in KU affect author sales? And no, because that's the whole. That's the whole um, concept of Kindle Unlimited. You you get the book in KU. I think you can get up to ten at a time, but you can only if you want another book. You do have to return one of them. The way uh, KU works is uh, we get paid for how many pages a certain person reads. And I think if you read the book from uh, the first page to the very end, and then you switch back and read it again in KU, we only get paid for one complete book. Yes. But, um, returning it does not affect our sales. Yes, and um, I was just going to say, I'll, I'll butt in there. One of my comments is a similar one. Yvonne said she just listened to the episode and she's confused. She was worried about returning audiobooks because we said it's detrimental to authors. She doesn't understand why. So... Yeah, and she also uh, wondered if it applied to KU. So no, KU is a borrowing library. Borrow away. Audio though is a different ball game. Um, so let's say uh, because especially if you paid out for the narrator to record the audio um, herself. So let's say I sell out for a narrator to record the audio. It's let's say around two thousand dollars, which is probably about right um, these days. So you need to make that money back. And every time someone borrows one of your audio books using their Audible credit, say you get maybe, you get something in the region of $2.50 to $4. And let's say the first week of release, you have 100, bo 100 people download your audio book. Great! You've made, if you're getting $4 a pop, you've made, how many, how much, DB? $400 <laughs> TV space. What? So you, if you have 100... I was tuning out! <laughs> <laughs> you have 100 people borrow, you make $400. However, if the net following week, 20 of those people return your audio book, having listened to it, you get 20 of those $4 taken back off you. So you get $80 taken back. So now you've only made $320 as opposed to 400. And then the next week, 50 people borrow it, but then they 20 of those return it. So you can see that every time you return an audiobook, we get the money taken off our account. So it does cost authors. And that's why people are reticent about paying out the money to record an audiobook. Is this becoming a big thing where a lot of people are returning audiobooks? I think the thing ha that happened was that Audible sent out a uh, email to people. Um, I didn't see it, so I can't say 100%, but I think I heard this. The Audible sent out an email saying, if you don't like it, you can return it. And so then I think more people... Also what happened this, this month is that Audible didn't... Normally, if someone returns it, you get that back on your account the next day. They didn't do it for two weeks, so all of a sudden, yeah. two weeks worth of uh, returns came in. Returns are part of the book business. Don't get me wrong. If you if you download it by accident, you're entitled to take it back, just as you are an ebook. And but I think some people um, are doing it unfairly. 
You wouldn't go to the cinema, not pay for this movie, not like it, and then demand your money back, would you? Or generally... You... Well, I think some people do. Well, most people wouldn't. Yeah. Some <laughs> uh, people do, though. Yeah. My dad does, actually, but, you know, he's a bit weird. Right, anyway, next comment. Wait, your dad goes to the movies, watches the whole thing, and then wants his money back? He walks out about halfway through quite a lot. Is he just, like, the British curmudgeon? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Does he wear, like, one of those cute little hats, though? He does. Oh! <laughs> he's, got, he's got an old man hat. He goes, to, he goes to the silver screen screenings, so they get free tea and coffee and biscuits. So I think he just goes for that. And if he doesn't like the movie, he walks out and gets his money back. So he's kind of making money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have one final comment from Diana. Diana actually has uh, spent the past few weeks listening to every single episode of Lesbians Who Write. Every single one. And Diana says we're informative, friendly, and fun. So thank you so much for listening. Well, I'm still amazed by that accomplishment. I have accomplished nothing so far this week. <laughs> yeah, well done. And um, thank you for listening. And Christina also says she really enjoys uh, reading. She sent me an email saying she really enjoys reading my books. And she also loves listening to the Lesbians Who Writes podcast. She and her wife live in Ontario, Canada with their two boys, three cats, a dog, some fish. And she's a huge fan of Lesbians. So thank you. She says thank you to me for what I do. And a big thank you to you as well, TB. I have a question. Does she have a spare room that's available for rent? <laughs> I know. Ontario, Canada is looking pretty, pretty plush this, these days, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. I've started, like, figuring out, like, maybe move here, maybe I can move here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get on to week two of Ask Us Anything. So thank you again for all your questions. First one up is from Aoife, who says, did you have any thought about giving up on the indie author thing and going to a publish house at some stage are there more benefits to being an indie author or working with a publishing house i think once i decided to go indie because i started thinking about publishing back in 2012 and at first i thought that i would have to go to a publishing house because i wasn't sure how big indie um writing was but then when I started dipping my toes into the indie world and I start I started following David Groggin's blog and um Joanna Penn's uh podcast and everything and I started realizing oh it's a bigger a bigger deal than I thought because you know I thought I was thinking way back in the day where it was like vanity presses and everything where it was also extremely expensive for authors so when I figured out that it was a viable avenue no I never looked back I agree. I can't see a time um, when I would go to a publishing house for my ebooks. However, um, I do uh, do some deals of publishing houses for uh, my audiobooks. I wouldn't rule it out for print books if there were better distribution avenues in bookshops around the world. And I have done it for translations as well. So, um, but for me, I like the control I have. Um, I'm a control freak, <laughs> so I like the control. Even though, even though I work with publishing. <laughs> TV's, TV's saying, eh, only a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I work with publishing houses um, for, as I say, the other avenues of my books, but uh, there's always a bit of me that, that dies a little bit inside, uh, you know, even though that, <laughs> even though it's it's often um, a good thing to do. Because as, as well, the other thing is, I can't do it all myself. I, ha um, I could try, I could employ other people, but I prefer partnering with them for some aspects. But it really does depend on your personality type. Not everyone is cut out to be an indie author. I really believe that. Um, so if you just want to write and nothing else, 
it's probably not for you and it's probably better for you to go with the publishing house so I wouldn't be against it at all for other people like we're not here saying indie is the only way uh, but it's the but probably the only way for us to especially for the ebooks like you said yeah. but, um, you can go hybrid for the other aspects especially if you um, want to do translations and stuff like that that makes more sense to go through a publisher or a different company or something but with ebooks which is I would say the bulk of our income right now I can't say I would but never say never yeah All um, right. I mean I think that we wouldn't be able to do this for a living if we were with a publishing house because the cut is too small compared to what we get now not a full not a full-time living. No, no. no. Oh, I could just say as well, I forgot to say in my roundup, my tra- my first translation came out today. Woo! What, what, what language? Uh, German. So before you say I do, in German, are you ready for the title? Yeah. Bevor du sagst, ich will. Was that one word? <laughs> so there you go. If you're, if you're German or you love reading in German, uh, go and uh, buy Before Du Sags X Will on uh, Amazon and all of the bookstores. And I would love to know from our uh, German speakers how Claire did with the pronunciation. I think I would like to. I would like to get rage your <laughs> rage you. Okay. Next up, we have uh, S W Anderson. Um, she says, uh, "Boxes or briefs." I'm intrigued. I don't know if I want to know why, really. <laughs> because I wear, like, boxers, like, shorts in the house, like, sleeping uh, shorts. okay. But I'm not going to wander out because, like, you know, yeah. they're a bit baggy. They're okay. not the most flattering when you Okay, go out. good. <laughs> For me, SW, uh, it has to be briefs. Me and boxers do not go. Um, she says, also, is there a favourite marketing tool for your new releases? Have you done anything differently for new releases during COVID times? My favourite marketing tool is my newsletter, and I really haven't done too much differently since COVID times except I did when I got really sick back from March that lasted until like mid-June it was a it was a chunk of time this year I put a lot of stuff on the back burner but the one thing I did not put on the back burner I it was my newsletter I kept it up and I think that paid off in the long run for me in my humble opinion my newsletter is my most important marketing tool Yep, and uh, I hate to um, agree with TB, but um, it's 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 number one on my list too. <laughs> Did a little bit of you just die? A little bit just died <laughs> inside. Uh, yeah, it is my number one marketing tool for, for everything really, uh, but especially new releases. Uh, but I would also say um, the stalwarts of having a website where people can go and find out more about your releases is very good <laughs> thing to do. I should really um, plug my new translation on my website, right? Your mailing list, social media, good graphics, dripping out information, all those things. And I've done nothing different in COVID times. Let's next. move on. Now, the next three, I don't know what they are. You know what they are, but they're like, it's like a crapshoot for me. Like, yes. am I gonna, is, uh, please tell me they're just no math. <laughs> there is a little bit of maths in one of them. So, uh, yeah, I did, I did ask TB. No. I did ask TB, does she want to know uh, these ones that came in a little later uh, beforehand? But she said no. She wanted the surprise. Right. The first one is from Picks from Moose, uh, which is an Instagram name, I think. She asked me, but I'd love to get your opinion as well, TB, how I feel about Alex Morgan joining Tottenham Hotspur Women. Well, Picks from Moose, I am delighted 
that Alex Morgan has joined Tottenham Hotspur because Tottenham Hotspur women aren't doing that well this season. Um, I think we've got one point so far <laughs> from a few games, so we're not we're not doing brilliantly. However, hopefully we won't, we'll pick up because we did pretty well, you know, in the uh, truncated season last time round. But Alex Morgan is a an American World Cup winner. She scored the goal against us in in the whatever game it was in um, last year's World Cup. So or whenever the World Cup was, I can't remember dates. Not my strong point. So I'm thrilled that she's at Tottenham. However, she hasn't played a game yet. So can I say um, she's she had a baby about four months ago. And she is, so she's still getting back into the swing of things. Uh, so I'll be re- I'll be happier when she's on the pitch. What Claire said. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that TV would have a lot to say about that. All right, Jen asks. In these times of globalization, when you write, do you write for a global audience or do you write for one specific person? Mm, that's an interesting one because we are supposed to have like our ideal reader in mind. But after living in the US, Britain and Ireland, I have become completely fucked up with my word choice because I love words. I absolutely love words and what I love I love to learn new words. And so, obviously, when I was living in these countries, even though we all speak English, um, we don't. It's very different. (laughs) And so I started picking up different words that I really liked, and I started putting it in my books, and I got a lot of pushback on that. There was um, – there's a a big battle between UK um, English and American English, and I was like, well, this is a brilliant word. This is perfect for this. I want to use this. And then people were like – it's clear TV has been living outside the country for too long. <laughs> and I was like, fuck off. So I do try to be more careful with certain word choices. But you still have to, at least in my opinion, you still have to kind of put some of that behind you. Otherwise, you'll just be walking as tightrope and it will uh, impede the actual storytelling. The wisdom is that you should always write to a single reader. I do kind of know what my what my single reader, who she is, where she lives... Uh, I do write really more with an English sensibility in mind. I'd probably write for myself, really. I'd probably write the book I, I... I write the book I would like to read. But I do write... I do definitely write with an English sensibility in mind, even though quite a lot of my readers, more than half, are American. Because I think that there's enough books written by Americans out there. And so I think that actually people want my authentic author voice. And I know a lot of people's, you know, don't put... English slang and English terms in their books, but I'm not one of them. Yeah, and I also can go for, like, even as an American writer, like, a lot of my books take place either, like, in Colorado or the Massachusetts area, because those are the two places I lived and I'm more familiar with. And there are regional... The U.S. is a big country, and so there are there are a lot of different regional things. that, And you just really have to write your story and try not to get into the battle of, oh, gosh... Is someone in North Carolina going to understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. You second guess yourself all the time. Yeah, you would. Um, don't worry about it. Write, write, write the book you want to write, if you if you are a writer. Um, Jen... hire, hire a good editor. Yes. Jenna also asks, what's your favourite part of the process? It changes all the time. It depends on the project. Sometimes I love the first drafting, especially if the story is clicking. Like when I wrote the setup, that was a, a fun story for me. Um, there was like zero angst in it and it was just a lighthearted it got me back to like London one of my favorite neighborhoods I used to wander around uh, with my dog a lot so that was a fun one but um, I think the part I'm really starting to really like which is weird because it used to be my least favorite is um, right after the critique stage 
where I, I really dig into it and that's where it really changes from uh, I don't know if these words make sense to oh wow I can see the potential here good answer yeah I think like TB it changes for me as well um, I'm just in the very final draft so like draft four um, of my Christmas romance and I hate it but I love it because a bit like TB said there's things to change but as I change them I can see it, things getting better and clicking so but um, I also do really like just the the wide open space and the breath you can let out when you just first first start a new project because there's no deadlines looming it doesn't last long but I like that bit no <laughs> <laughs> there's like a day or two <laughs> and Jen our third part of Jen's question how many, what's your normal level of writing word-wise per day and how long did it take you to get to that word consistency? Oh gosh, mine's terrible. I usually write every day and if I average it out, it's probably 1,500 to 2K a day, but it's every day. You write every day? Pretty much. Oh. Well, right now I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a, um, what's it called? A break. <laughs> <laughs> a holiday? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I usually write every day, mm. except um, it depends on Sunday how far along I am with uh, prepping this episode and uh, I heart last week newsletter. But no, I, I tend to write every day. There you go. Do as TV does, probably. That's <laughs> that's what they say to do. I do not write every day. I write in bursts, but that's just my process. Uh, when I'm writing, I do try and go quite uh, full on. So if I don't get 3K... Um, I'm pretty uh, disappointed. Well, you know, two and a half at least. But um, if I do set myself lofty goals when I first start a first draft, so I try and do 5k a day uh, in the first week just to get the momentum on the story. I have gone as far as 10,000 words in one day. You can't keep that up. Um, consistency, it probably took me about three years to get there and a full year of writing full time to learn how to write consistently. And to also know that writing every day doesn't suit me. I kind of like it. I like to stay in the story. Uh, and there are some days when I do sit down where I really will only write like 100 words, but it's still 100 words I don't have to write again. Yeah. So it's just one of the things that helps me, Yeah. which is why when I took this break, I was just like, I I really, well, I needed the time off. I knew this week was going to be difficult. <laughs> I knew focusing this week was going to be hard. So it kind of just my editing deadline kind of aligned with this so I can scream into my pillow a lot. Deborah says self-doubt i work full-time but as a stress release i began writing lesbian fiction i keep getting halfway through stories and then quitting i'm the only person who's ever seen them i have no idea if they're any good how do i get over my own self-doubt oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> well i will say deborah that um, we just did rerun the self-doubt episode uh i think last two episodes ago so I hope you listen to that um I think it was episode 87 86 or 87 self-doubt is something that you'll never get away from you just have to learn to manage it um I still have self-doubt most days um I have a chronic self-doubt every time I'm at this stage in a story and um, just about to send it out to my art team and and prepping to release so but it is just something you have to um learn to live with learn to manage and learn to embrace dance dance with it i think uh, we've said before and that that um advice still stands clearly you've never seen me dance <laughs> no you've never seen me dance either. <laughs> i'm a terrible dancer oh my god that's where i've been going wrong i've been trying to dance i can only move like my upper body at one time or my lower body i can't move both at the same time that doesn't happen but um 
As for an answer to the question, like, how do you get going? You have to find someone. Well, see, I had an editor friend, and I think you had an editor friend. Yeah. Which kind of made it easier to get past that first hurdle. Um, I would, because you, you don't want to give it to, like, your, I mean, you can give it to a friend or a family member, but that's probably not going to be the best avenue. Um, I would try and look for beta readers that you could trust, but getting, but sending it out that first time, oh, good God. I remember sending the uh, email to my first editor, and I think I was shaking. It's not an easy thing, and it's something that, as we know, if you listen to this on a regular basis, I struggle every stage with self-doubt, and it is something like, like what Claire says, you really have to just keep going, and that's my advice, is just take that first step and just keep going if you um, want to do it because it's never going to go away and sometimes there are days where it's even worse now but I've been doing this for since 2013 so <laughs> that was... some years I, I would also say um, as a I was just looking back at your question Deborah um, and you said that you keep getting halfway through stories and then quitting that's really common really really common um, because you're not maybe you haven't thought through uh, the story or you haven't you haven't worked out the end and, you, and you're not quite sure of the key points of the story you need to hit, but also because you're doubting yourself that you can finish it and finishing it means that you might then have to deal with sending it to someone or getting edited or whatever you want to do with it. So um, I went through years and years of getting halfway and throwing stories away. So it's a really common experience, but you just have to believe in yourself, put the self-doubt aside and just finish. Finishing something is a major achievement. Yeah, I remember hearing from uh, Neil Gaiman once when he was, because he wrote a book, the Graveyard Book. I don't know if you read it, but uh, I don't know if you're a big reader of Neil Gaiman, but it's one of my favorite books by him. But he got the idea of the Graveyard Book while sitting in a cemetery in Britain, and his son was riding a bike, and he started getting the images for uh, the Graveyard Book, which occurs, it's a um, more of a young adult where this young boy is running away from murderers. It's a bit scary opening for a young adult. And he ends up going to a cemetery, and, he, and he's raised by ghosts. But Neil Gaiman, when he was sitting there, and this thought started entering his mind, he set that idea aside because he didn't think he had the skills yet. So he waited a few years until he felt more comfortable with the story, which I've, I've always found interesting because there's been a few stories where I have set aside and then I have tackled later on, and I think they did turn out to be a better story. So keep those ideas going. Or keep them in the back of your mind because you never know what what you can do with them later. And final question is from Jack. So Jack um, says, it's a tax question, TB. Oh. So, <laughs> but I'm going to answer it from uh, the UK perspective. And I, I think, uh, you know, that it shouldn't be too much uh, different in the US. But anyway, she wants to know about advances. In the in US tax law, is an advance on anticipated royalties self-employed income? And if it is, what year was the income earned? The year the advance was paid or the year the royalties are earned upon which the advance is based? Now, um, I would say in advances in the UK are taxed in the year they're earned. So the, so the moment it comes into your bank account, that's the year it's taxed. That's the tax year it's taxed in. And when it goes into your bank account, say October 2020 that's the year it's taxed in but if if um, advances are the same in the US as they are in the UK they'll come split into portions so you'll get a third and then a third so they might be split over different tax years uh, but they will be taxed in the year that you are paid 
Am I correct? I believe so. I haven't had to deal with too many advances. I think I've only done it once for an advance. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they can charge you tax for money that's not in your account. Yes, so... <laughs> because things can go things can go wrong because um, you can have, like, a contract with a publisher, but they can go out of business, yep. stuff like that. So, um, no, it's not until it actually hits your account. Yes. And Jack's second bit of a question is, also, what are the basic tax issues should a new traditionally published author know? Tax basics for traditionally published authors are all royalties you earn are taxable, right? That's the key thing. So look into whether or not set yourself up as a sole trader or a limited company uh, that is in the UK. Or sp I'd say speak to your publisher, speak to an accountant. We're not qualified to give money advice. Uh, we both employ accountants to do that for us. Oh, yes. I wouldn't I wouldn't file my taxes without an accountant. I had an accountant um, when I lived in the UK and I have an accountant now in the US. Yeah, I would definitely for these types of questions not trust me on <laughs> anything to do with taxes. <laughs> it's numbers, everyone. Um, I will say that uh, when I started, I set myself up as a limited company uh, on the advice of my accountant. So uh, I own a limited company. Yeah, yeah. And then um, also with the US, um, one of the things, if you, if you are totally self-employed, you're going to have the self-employed tax, which is a bit high. So yes, definitely, definitely talk to an accountant or someone a bit who actually knows about, I mean, I just kind of hand a big box of documents to my accountant and run away screaming. That's that's my abilities when it comes to taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's answered your question, Jack. <laughs> but well done. <laughs> yeah. well done on getting, um, you know, your um, traditionally published contract and um, yeah. I hope the I hope the uh, advance is a sizable amount that you're gonna that you're gonna not get taxed too much on. I don't think those two correlate, uh, do they? Right. So thank you so much for all your questions. Next week we're going to be talking about the other question we got in from Zoe, which was on epilogues. So we're going to be doing a whole episode on epilogues, and that'll be a good one because I love a good epilogue. It's kind of funny that we're putting off the epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I don't want to write. It's got to be the ending, right? It's got to be the last one. <laughs> Bottom ching. All right. So until um, do let us know about anything we've talked about on here, and do um, send in any questions you've got, and we'll ask them as we go along. Go on the website lesbianswhowrite.com. Email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. Facebook us, Twitter us, Instagram me, and join us next week for the epilogue chat. But until then, stay safe, um, stay in, flatten the curve, we're back to it, and keep writing. And for all the Americans, try to stay sane. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Listen in every week for more conversations on writing and lesbian fiction. And you can make sure you never miss an episode by signing up to our newsletter at lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more people to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time. <laughs>